Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, last week, Pastor Nick started the series on the feasts, and uh, he covered the Passover. And so in that next slide, you'll see uh, the different symbolism uh, in the feasts. You'll see there that uh, last week was the historical account of the Passover, where Nick spoke about God delivering his people out of Egypt, and this whole idea for us personally of new life, a new birth, Today I want to share with you about the unleavened bread and how Jesus is our unleavened bread and how that makes sense to you and to me, how we are to put off the old self. And then Mim Hosking will share with us about first fruits next week and so the series carries on. And so you can see there the the historical account of each feast on the left-hand side in the middle the prophetic, how Jesus represents that feast and also what it means for us personally as we interact with God in our journey with him. Somebody once said that when you buy a new toy, you often find that it says there no batteries included. You kind of go, well, what's up with that, you know? But you know, we often think of Christianity like that. God calls us to a life of holiness. But he doesn't give us the batteries, we might say, to be able to live that life of holiness. But I want to suggest to you today that God does give us the Holy Spirit and he wants us to live holy lives. He's not setting us up for failure. I'm not giving my kid this radio-controlled car without batteries and asking him to go vroom, vroom, and it'll go faster. No. I will give him the batteries as well. And that's what God does. Not only does he save us, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to be able to live holy lives. And so I want to read the passage from Exodus chapter 12, verses 15 to 20 talking about that historical occasion of the unleavened bread that's very tied in to what Nick spoke about last week on the Passover. It says, for seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. Interesting word there, remove. It talks about, you know, uh, put it away. Cease to use it. In fact, celebrate Without it. Wow. For whatever eats, whoever eats anything with yeast in it, from the first day through the seventh, must be cut off from Israel. Removed. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. 
That word celebrate is extremely rich in meaning. It means guard it close to yourself, protect this festival, take heed of it and observe it. Why? Because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you're to eat bread made without yeast from the evening of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. For seven days, no yeast is to be found in your houses and anyone, whether foreign or native born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. As if we're deaf, God, can you say it three times in one sentence, please? <laughs> Why is God saying that? Because we are spiritually deaf and we need to be reminded of it. You see, he gives this divine command for you and I to observe. It's a reminder of the hand of God at work. In fact, in Leviticus 23, verses 5 to 8, uh, we read the same thing. The Lord's Passover begins at twilight on the 14th day of the first month. On the 15th day of that month, the Lord's festival of unleavened bread begins. For seven days you must eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. For seven days, present a food offering to the Lord. And on the seventh day, hold a sacred assembly and do no regular work. What is God saying to you and to me? Well, friends, I think... Something that is often left out in the scriptures is this whole concept of obedience. You know, now that I, I've been saved and the angel of death has passed over and I have this new life, I'm on my way to heaven. It's not only amen, but it's also obedience until <laughs> that. And so this feast of the unleavened bread began on the day after the Passover. On the 15th of Nisan, the 14th was the, the Passover, and it lasted for seven days. And it's symbolic of how they had to prepare and get ready because to obey God and his instructions is way more important than eating bread. And so God was saying to them, I will make a way for you. And he demonstrated that through the Passover. In fact, the title gives this whole feast away about eating unleavened bread. Get ready because in obedience, I will make a way for you. Amen. And so it's not as if God is getting them ready so he can lead them to be killed by Pharaoh and the horsemen and the soldiers. No. God is getting people ready and he wants them to obey him. And so why has God used this whole concept of leaven? What's the point of leaven? What does that mean? Well, if you see in that next slide there, the Passover bread was unleavened. And we read about that. And it was the day before the Passover feast. And the Jew is to take a candle and search their whole house. Now what's the symbolism behind that? Well, it's projecting on who Jesus Christ is. 
And we know from the Passover that they were to take an unblemished lamb. They were to take an unspotted lamb, as you heard last week. And it says in Zephaniah that God will examine the hearts of the people. We read about it in Zephaniah 1.12. At that time, I will search. And that word search is not just, you know what, I'll have a look and pass away, you know, look over it. No, I will search. I will diligently examine. He's saying Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent. It's such a rich word, this word complacent, because it's got to do with uh, water is supposed to be clear. Anybody who is unclear, if you like. It's got to do with, with curdled milk. It's not good for you. And so there's the symbolism of the condition of the heart there. And so uh, God is saying, I will examine those and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing either good or bad. So he comes and he says, spring clean your house. And that's where we get this whole concept of spring cleaning. Spring cleaning. You know, make sure that you, you move everything aside and make sure that your house is clean. Why? Because it is the command of God. And that is a sign of our obedience as we do that. And as we bow down and obey what he has commanded us, it's good for us. You see, that whole concept of dough is very similar to yeast. And when you take a bit of food coloring and you pour it in the water, it affects the whole batch, as it were. At this stage, you're supposed to go, wow. (laughs) See, and that's what dough does. That's why they are to take unleavened bread, bread without yeast, because I'm told that there's a chemical reaction that takes place there when you put yeast in the dough. You see, the yeast is not go to Woolies or Coles and buy some you know, powder yeast or a little cake of yeast. Those days, the yeast was fermented. And so when you bake bread, you kept some of that behind. And as it ferments, it creates this chemical reaction when you mix it in the next batch of dough. Similar to that water when you put some coloring into it, it affects the whole batch. You can't say, well, half, you know, just and mix it all together. No, it affects the whole batch. And that symbolized who Jesus was, being our unleavened bread. And so Jesus is that unleavened bread. No wonder John the Baptist was able to say, behold, the Son of God. Behold, it is He. Jesus is the picture there. And so as that blood was put on their doorposts, God would pass over, but they were to prepare in their hearts in obedience that he would deliver them, you see. And Jesus becomes our unleavened bread. You saw on the slide last week that it had to be a lamb without fault. It had to have no bones broken. It had to be pure blood sprinkled on their doorposts. 
And fourthly, the household saved by the blood of the Lamb. Now, folk, that was a projection of who Jesus Christ is. Because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, we read, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Take away, that word ero means he, he, he takes it away. He puts our sins on a boat. There's a beautiful picture there. Puts our sins on a boat, takes them away, and drops the anchor and does never come back. That's what Jesus does. He takes your sins and my sins. Now, folk, it had to be a perfect lamb, and it had to be a perfect savior. So you, you and I know that we're tempted in so many ways. And we can stumble and fall just as Jesus was tempted, yet without sin, like that unblemished, unspotted lamb. With no sin. That word no, I looked it up and it's, it means no, not, nothing, never, without. In case you didn't understand, no, nothing, never, without. He was perfect, perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. John records it in John 6.35 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Folk, those are beautiful, beautiful pictures of who Jesus is. But it's not just a picture, it's a reality. Let me say this, that if you'll see in that next slide there, the design of a boat is to be in the water. That's its design. The design of you and me is to worship God, Amen. to adore him. Just as a bride comes down the aisle and everybody uh, gawks her, in adoration and adores who she is. She is stunning. So we are created to worship the true and living God. That's design. But when the boat, sorry, when the water is in the boat, that boat begins to sink. That's disaster. That's disaster. And Jesus is that bread of life. It's as if he comes in our lives and he comes I hope it works. <laughs> Not funny. <laughs> he comes and by his blood The darkness is the pain. Hopefully it's going to turn light soon. <laughs> you see, he takes my life from disaster and reveals his son to me. And I'm able to go back to what I've been designed to do. And so to ask that question, what is that leaven? What is that leaven? What's its purpose? 
Well, we know that leaven portrays sin. That leaven portrays sin. Jesus comes and is that pure one that takes that sin away. But friends, it's got to do with you and me responding in obedience to this point of the, the unleavened bread. And so that departure from Israel was a beautiful sign of their slavery in Egypt, but that how God reminds them as they celebrate in uh, who, what he has done for them. And we're reminded in Romans 6, 17 and 18, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, Slaves to sin, you came to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that was now claimed your allegiance. So our hearts were sold out to the things of this world. Our old life, you see, he says you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Not you set yourselves free, you have been set free. That word means you've been liberated, you've been delivered. He has taken your sins, put them in a boat, taken them so far away that you cannot see it anymore, and he's dropped the anchor there, never to come back with your sins. God teaches us as human beings through this physical example, this beautiful analogy of who he is. And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, he says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Okay, we get that. Now he says in verse 7, get rid of the old yeast. Ekathero. That where we get the English word cathartic. It means to cleanse thoroughly. Not to just give it a boy's wipe. You know, to, to clean it properly. To clean it properly. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened, with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I think that translation in the New International Version has been too modernized. It actually says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, even as you are unleavened. For our Passover sacrifice has been sacrificed. In other words, he's saying to us, listen, that's what you are now. That's what Christ has made you. And now that you know that you are blessed, you are happy and well off, live a life pleasing to him. For our Passover sacrifice has been sacrificed, I mean Christ, so that we feast not with old leaven, he says, nor with the leaven of wickedness and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Beautiful picture expressed. Listen, don't let the evil come in and influence you. Because it can slowly take control of you. And before you know it, it will kill you. For the wages of sin is death. My beautiful dad was such a clever man. But a little bit of alcohol every day. He said, no, it's not too much. And I'm not becoming a problem to anybody. Yes, you are. You don't know about it. 
And then, before he knew it, the alcohol had consumed him, not him consumed the alcohol. And then it was too late. Cirrhosis crept in and he, he died, sadly. What a waste of a life. Because sin creeps in and consumes us. Deep spiritual lesson there. Be careful because as you keep it within, it begins to ferment metaphorically, if you like. Ferments and it can consume you. And before you know it, it has control over you and you're finished. You see, Jesus spoke about this and he said, leaven portrays hypocrisy. No wonder he was so kind of uh, unkind to the Pharisees and the Sadducees as they tried to live a life pleasing to God, but had not the power to do that. And so he didn't like how they said one thing but did something else. They were religious apparently, but they had a total disregard for their fellow person. Showed no love, no mercy, no kindness to anybody. And Jesus wasn't very kind to the hypocrites, he says. They act out as if they are religious. They pretend, that's what the word means. They are a stage player. And he says in Matthew 16, verses 5 to 12, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware. That word take heed, behold, perceive. Be careful, it will wipe you out. And perceive, that word perceive, uh, pay attention and be very cautious of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they reason among themselves saying, because we have taken no bread. No, 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 no. It's because you've been disobedient. Because you want to be like somebody else perhaps. And you fall short of the standard and the mark. You see, leaven portrays hypocrisy, but it also portrays disobedience. No wonder Paul was able to say to them, listen, in the church in Galatia, in Galatians 5, 7 to 10, you ran well. You accepted who Jesus Christ was. You began to accept his grace, but these other people creep in and begin to influence you, and you slowly become disobedient. Because you allow that, that leaven to creep in and to uh, allow it to contaminate that whole uh, batch. You see, these Judaizers that Paul was writing to in the book of Galatians came in and distorted God's grace. And they allowed it to become license for sin. Yes, God's grace is overwhelming. Yes, it is um, huge. But that doesn't give us license to sin. So he says, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Talking about Christ there. Little leaven, leaven's the whole lump, he says. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment. Be careful, he's saying. Don't be deterred by others. But be careful as well, do not deter others to misunderstand the word of God. Hypocrisy and disobedience. And then he tells us about the sins of the flesh or the works 
of the flesh in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. And he, and he goes into detail in all of them. From a sexual perspective, be careful of immorality and impurity and sensuality. From a religious perspective, idolatry and sorcery. From a societal perspective, hatred, discord, jealousy, selfishness, envy, fits of rage. Again, from a social perspective, alcohol, drunkenness, and orgies. Be careful, because this unrepented sin can come in, and it can kill you. It can kill you. But he says instead, sincerity and righteousness. Sincerity, that beautiful word which means cleanliness and truth, which has got to do with righteousness. See, it's turned color. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Friends, it's only the blood of Christ that can do that. And so the obvious spiritual question I need to ask you, as I ask myself, are you leavened? Are you leavened? Is there junk within that needs to go? Am I leavened? Because God calls us to holiness. How does one remove that leaven? Well, you see, the doctrines of grace are coupled with the doctrines of holiness. And so salvation in sin is not possible. Christ comes and takes away that S-I-N, that he does away with it, and he did away with it on the cross of Calvary. But he still wants to cleanse us from S-I-N-S, sins. And as we come to him in obedience, we find safety in his presence. And we can live out, instead of the works of the flesh, we can live out the fruit of the Spirit. Our relationship to God, love, joy, and peace. Our relationship to others, patience, kindness, goodness. And our relationship to ourselves, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The opposite of the works of the flesh are the fruit, singular, not fruits, fruit of the Spirit. The one brings drudgery. That's why it's a work. The other one is the fruit of the Spirit. D.L. Moody once said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. They just shine. God calls you and I to shine. To examine our hearts and to shine. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we know that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we believe it's a divine revelation 
for you to show us by your Holy Spirit anything unclean that will move us away from the true and living God. Lord, as you do that, we believe that that is life. And Lord, it could be something that is a thorn in our flesh, as it were, that does not want to go away. Lord, we know your grace is sufficient. But Lord, if it is something that we can do something about, we pray that you will reveal that to us, Lord, and that we will take action. Please, Lord, do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're about to take communion together. And as we do that, Paul gave instructions about communion. You can begin to open it if you want and we'll all, all eat and drink together. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Listen to what he says in verses 27 and 28. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Listen to what he warns us about here. A person ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. A massive spiritual lesson, friends. That word uh, in, in uh, verse 28, examine, dokimazo, is actually saying test, discern, Try it out. Examine yourself. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. Remember, just before the Passover, they had to light a candle and they had to examine the whole house. They had to examine the whole house. Lift up everything, every compartment, every room in my life. There's one room we often hide junk in. Examine it in case there is any yeast, any leaven there that can actually take control. If you want it in another way, Examine your life. Are there any dangers? Examine. 
Have a look in your heart. Can be extremely dangerous if we don't address it. Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. But examine, try, try your heart, examine. What's your relationship like before God? This is a place where we can examine our hearts. We can come and bear it all because he comes and he wipes it away. He wipes it away. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your body that was given for us to reconcile us back to yourself. Thank you for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. We do this, Lord, in remembrance of what you did. In the book of Exodus, as you took those people out of Egypt, to the promised land. You've taken us, Lord, out of our misery and into your presence. May we find the reality of your forgiveness, Lord, through this bread and through this juice. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.